uh, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. I know we've been sort of hit and miss uh, on this. We had been in a series, if you recall, on the local church, the importance of the church, the triumphant church. And yet, in the midst of it, God led me here, led me there to talk about and minister on some different things. But I had it in my heart to go back and talk once more again about the importance of the local church in the life of the believer. Amen? Today I want to emphasize the fact that the church is a last day's refuge. The church is a last day refuge. You know, we are living in the last days. Amen? Uh, One visit to any news broadcast ought to convince you (laughs) that we are living in the end of the age. Time just seems to be Racing The world, the culture is just on a collision course with some sort of climactic event. And you don't have to know your Bible to be able to just see that or sense it or know it. But as Christians, we should be in the know. I mean, God in His love and His mercy, one of the manifestations of His love is that He has given us the Holy Spirit. And the, Jesus said right before He went to the cross, He said, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you helpless. I will not leave you comfortless. But when I go to the Father, I'm going to pray to the Father, and He's going to send you one like me. And He will show you things to come. So see, part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to enlighten you, to help you to know what's coming. Now, the more you get acquainted with the Holy Spirit, the more you know personal He'll make that. He wants you to know things that are coming up in your life. He doesn't want you to be shocked or taken aback by anything that happens. If you'll look to Him, if you'll cultivate a rich relationship with Him, if you'll spend time with God, learn to hear His voice, live sensitive to Him, He'll let you know. He'll let you know about things coming up. You know, Brother Hagin said this. Of course, he was, Kenneth E. Hagin was just highly developed in spiritual things. And, uh, but he said, you know, I got so acquainted with the Holy Spirit, none of my relatives, not even, not even extended family, you know, out there on the family tree, several branches, ever went home, ever died, ever went home, went to be with the Lord before the Holy Spirit didn't tell me two years ahead of time. People say, yeah, that's, that's because you're a prophet. No. He said, that, that doesn't happen to me because I was called to the office of the prophet, but because I pray much in other tongues, because I pray much in the Spirit, and He keeps me abreast of things coming up. And I'm telling you, you know, if we're not living that kind of life, developing our spirit, we're missing out. We're missing out. But God has also, in His love, given us the prophetic scriptures. He has given us the Word of God. They've been, the New Testament's been there for some 2,000 years, and it's just right there on the paper telling us exactly what, uh, would be happening, what would uh, life would be like, what the culture would be like in the last days. And we're going to highlight some of that, uh, Lord willing, this morning. Amen? But I'm telling you, you need the church. Whether you know it, don't know it, I'm not sure what your mindset is toward the church. Of course, you're here today, the ones I'm looking at. You're online, you're watching. So you have some interest, you have some regard, you have some sort of understanding about, uh, you know, that the, Holy, that the church rather has a role in your life. You wouldn't be here. And so good for you, but we need to think on the highest level, have the highest level of understanding possible 
about the role of the local church in the life of the believer in every age. But I'm telling you, in this day we're living in, you need the church. I need the church. The world needs it. And the devil knows the world needs the church. That's why he's attacked the church so viciously, so uh, intensely in this day and hour that we're living in. Amen? Let's be reminded about something Jesus said in Matthew 16. Beginning in verse 15, he's having a private conversation that Matthew makes public in his writing uh, with his disciples about himself. And Jesus said in verse 15, he he saith unto them, but whom say you that I am? He'd already asked them, what do you hear people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? Now he's asking them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, which means the anointed one, the Messiah, the long-awaited deliverer, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. You see how revelation can come? You can just say something out of your mouth and you go, Where did that come from? And it could be, that's the whole, that we, Jesus said, that wasn't you, Peter, that came up with that great answer. That was the Holy Spirit causing you to know the right thing and the right answer. Amen. And then Jesus makes this powerful statement. In verse 18, he said, And I say unto you that you are Peter, uh, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, that's the Greek word there, of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice the power, the ability to bind and to loose is not in heaven, is it? The power to bind and loose, to affect the things that happen or don't happen on earth, that power is not in heaven. He said, Behold, I give unto you the key of the kingdom of of heaven. I give unto you the ability to bind or to loose. That word bind means to refuse or to, uh, to deny, to not permit. So to bind means to forbid something. To loose means to permit or to allow. So many Christians even, among all humans, trying to figure out and reason away why certain things have happened in their life. Well, this is an answer for us. The power to permit and the power to forbid is not with God. He shared that with us. Oh, if it happened, it was God. No. 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 That would make God the author of bad things. That would make God the instigator of evil things. He said, I give unto you the power to bind and that's a whole lot longer teaching. That's why you just have to come to church and stay. You have to come to church and stay you long enough to get a foundation in you. But if you've been with me a long time, you know what I mean. Right? That uh, you have to find out who you are 
and what belongs to you. And when you do, and you realize the, the power and the authority God has invested in you as His child, He's delegated authority to you to forbid, to bind, to loose, to permit things to happen in your life. I forbid sickness in my own life. I forbid it. Oh, religion wants to say, oh, yeah, that's an abominable thing to say. That's blasphemy. No, that's a Bible thing to say. The Bible says that Christ has redeemed me. He's redeemed you. Galatians 3.13, from the curse of the law. Sickness is a curse of the law. If that's true, and I found it out, I found it out a long time ago, thank God. Well, then I have the power to bind what God does not want me to have in my life. Satan's the one that would try to put on me something God's redeemed me from. Why would God put something on a child that he's redeemed them from? Wouldn't that be stupid? To send Jesus to suffer at the whipping post so that by his stripes we could be healed and in the light of all that still put sickness on you. Wouldn't that be stupid? I, believe, I don't believe God's stupid. Do you believe God's stupid? No, it's preachers that are stupid. It's religious thinking that's stupid. Amen. People have been religiously brainwashed with unbelieving Hallmark cards. Most of that stuff is trash. When I want to go find a, a, a comfort card to send somebody, oh my gosh, the doubt and unbelief on there. Oh, just take comfort in the knowledge that God took your little girl to heaven and you'll understand it someday. And there's Hallmark at the bottom. Well, that's not a scripture. And it's not scriptural. It's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus said, but I have come, not as, not as the enemy's partner. He said, I have come that you might have life, life, and life more abundantly. But why did he use the word might? Because he wasn't sure what he wanted you to have? No, because you and I have something to say about it. God will let you have in your life everything you're okay with. If you're okay, parents, with having kids that talk back to you, He'll let you have that. But I'm not okay with that. If you're okay having an unsound mind, He'll let you have that. If you're okay catching everything that blows through town, every virus, everything, every this, every that, then you'll have that. It's just been such a wonderful blessing to get to go and have vacation, visit with people I don't normally get to visit with. And it's, it's not that we're anything, it's not that I'm anything, but my heart has been I want to be an example. Through this pandemic, I want to be an example. I want our church to be an example. You know, people ask me, so has somebody died in your... No, nobody's died. Has it blown through your church? No, it hadn't blown through our church. Are you separating your chairs? No, we're not separating our chairs. Are you baptizing people in sanitizer before they come in the sanctuary? No. Now, I'm not mocking, and I know this disease is real. It's real. I know people who have died. My childhood pastor died about a month ago with the coronavirus. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying as serious as it can be, as real as it is, God has protected God is kept. God is protected. If it's come against any of our people, it hasn't prevailed. And it didn't happen unknowingly and someone bring it in unknowingly and spread it to it. No. 
I'm just telling you, we've, and it's not God, but it's see, God's done this, but He's not done it apart from a mentality and a faith in His Word. Someone else asked me, well, what are you doing? I said, every day I get up and I pray Psalm 91.10 and 1 Peter 1.5 over me, my family, and everyone who's connected with me. I pray it over our church services. I pray it over our daycare, our daycare families, our daycare staff. And isn't it amazing? God has actually performed what I've believed Him to do. See, the power... See, I have forbidden that attack to have its way in our church. And God has backed it up. God will back you up. I'm not anything special. No, I'm not anything special. You have the same name of Jesus and you have the same right to use the name of Jesus as I have. You have the same right to the power of God as I have. You have the same faith in you that I have in me. But we have got to Get rid of this mentality of I'm just going to float through life and whatever happens to me will somehow be God's plan. You've got to flush that. You've got to drive that mentality out. You have a part to play in whether or not you're going to live in victory or defeat. Amen? Oh, man, I could preach on that. I guess I have been for about five minutes or so. <laughs> Amen. Now, there was a big chunk of my life. Been on the planet 48 years. Big chunk of my life. I didn't know anything about what I just told you. I didn't know I had anything to say about it. I didn't know that I could be strong and positive and confident in my use of the name of Jesus and actually expect that to happen or that not to happen. Amen? Where did I, how did I come into the knowledge that I have? Church. And not just church. I'm talking about the real church. I'm talking about the right church. You know, I know when we say church, Jesus said, I will build my church. People have their, you know, if I say church to you, you think, what, uh, you know, uh, stained glass windows and denominations and buildings and congregations. No. The church is an assembly of God's called out ones. People who have been born again. The church is a gathering of people who have been separated from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And in the church, when the church comes together, when the church gathers, He has ordained an office to feed God's people the Word of God, to teach God's people the Word of God, and to watch out for people's souls in the Spirit. That's an office of ministry called the pastor. I happen to have that. I wouldn't be up here if I didn't have that. Amen. doesn't make me more important. It doesn't make me more special. It's just my role in the body, in the church. Amen. I remember when I stood up one day, oh, a year or two, I'd begun to date my wife, my, my future wife, and, and I was still going to my childhood church, denominational church, had a balcony. Many of you have heard this story. And, uh, and so I was sitting in the balcony, and as in my denominational church, not criticized, just what you did, you stood up, you sat down, you stood up, you sat down. You're going to stand up, sit down for a minute. Pastor say something. You're going to stand up and sing hymn number 212. And then you're going to sit down. And then he's going to say something else. Then you're going to stand up. You're going to say the Apostles' Creed. Amen. And I like the Apostles' Creed. When your heart's behind it, your faith is in it. It's not dry and dead and religious. 
But the pastor instructed us to stand up, and when I stood up, I hit my head on an invisible glass ceiling. It wasn't, the ceiling's way up there like that, but when I stood up, I went bam, and I, I did just like that. And when I did the word of the Lord, I don't mean I heard anything audible, but right next to me, Amber was standing right there, but she didn't hear anything. But real strong in my heart, I heard the Lord say, if you want all I have for you, you're going to have to let me lead you on from here. Now, he loved the people. And up to a degree, to that moment, he had, that was the place I was supposed to be. But see... I wasn't hearing about the authority of the believer there. I was not hearing about victorious faith and how to appropriate the promises of God by faith. I wasn't hearing about healing, not the right stuff about healing. I wasn't hearing about the laying on of hands. I wasn't experiencing the move of the Spirit. I wasn't being taught about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the many, many benefits that comes with praying in the Spirit. But there was a place in my city. Thank God. And I did. I wanted all God had. I still do. But God gave me a choice right then. He said, you can stay right here, but you're not going to have. You stay here, you're not going to have all I have for you. Because, see, you cannot have what you are not taught. You cannot have what you are not taught. Amen. And to be taught, you have to have a teacher. Amen. You have to have a pastor. Glory to God. And God gave me a different pastor. He just... God didn't love this pastor over the other one. This pastor just knew more. That's all. He just knew more. And for me to have the more, I needed to know more. You know, for you to have more of what God has for you, you need to know more. So don't come to church anymore thinking, well, I know it all, and I'm just going to go to this church because he agrees with everything, but the first time he says anything that's new, I'm going to leave or whatever... No, could it be that God might lead you to a place where you actually don't know something that the pastor knows and he brought you there so that you might hear something that you don't yet know? I'm not talking about some squirrely thing that's not scriptural. I'm talking about the scripture, though. Amen. Hallelujah. And it was where the, the things that's, you know, we've been delivered. I mean, just on, a, just on just everyday stuff like driving. We got in the car a week ago, drove to Oklahoma. Well, it's late at night. And we're coming through downtown Oklahoma City. I'm, I'm driven most of the way. I've had a long day. I've been up 6 a.m. I taught a class. I preached. I packed. I, now I've driven all these hours. It's dark. It's late. I'm tired. All my family's snoozing in the car. That's what I want to be doing. I want to be snoozing. And now we're going through Oklahoma's interstate traffic. And here's this little girl. She tries to run me off the road because she's on her phone. Amen. And I, I, had, I, I was in a place in this interstate where I had a shoulder and I whipped into the shoulder and thank God there wasn't a broken down car in the shoulder. Different moment, different circumstance, different place on the road. That, that moment could be very different. How many of you have these kind of things? Whew, that was... Well, you got to know, that wasn't just your quick response and all that. You know, God... Works in all the God works and He helps and He saves and He protects and He delivers. Amen. But God can't fight for some of His children like He can for others because of the way many of His children think and the way they talk. Well, if anybody has an accident today, it'll be me. See, God can't fight for you. He can't 
He can't work for you because your words are stout against Him. You've got to give God words that give Him permission to move in your life. It's called the power to bind and loose. See, when you talk in line with God's word, you have now permitted heaven and the angels and God's power to intervene in key moments in your life, to save your life, preserve your life, give you victory instead of defeat. But when you say, huh, flu season's coming, you know, I always get it. Doesn't matter if I get the flu thing or not. Huh. Well, you're going to get it. And don't look at God and go, I wonder how come God never... No, you, sweetie. You and your mouth. Well, I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm not anything different than any other child of God, but I'm telling you, I live different, many of you, you live different lives than people out in the world. Come on, you see what's going on out there today. People running wild, people running crazy, people killing themselves at an unprecedented rate. The divorces, the, the, the failures, the dying, right? The financial destruction. It's not my life, it's not my testimony, thank God. Where did I learn how to live the way? Church, the church, amen? And going into 2021, you need to make a fresh determination and resolution that the church is going to have its proper place in my life and my family next year. Amen. I'm not going to allow work. I'm not going to allow my schedule. I'm not going to allow any other thing or person to come along and push church, the place of refuge in the last days, the place where I come and have my spirit fed, my mind renewed, where I'm taught the principles of the kingdom of God, where I get to rub shoulders with people who believe like I believe, where I get to have fellowship and, and can receive encouragement from those who are reaching for the same things, believing the same things, facing the same things, and be strengthened by their fellowship. I'm not going to allow anything or anyone to push that moment of my week out, amen, of my life next year amen the church is the only entity on the planet that the enemy cannot prevail against that's what jesus said he said i will build my church and the gates of hades the gates of hell will not be able to defeat it will not be able to overpower it will not be able to overcome it now we've lived in a nation thank god thank god and it's just easy to believe that we, Americans, we could, our government could not be overcome. Amen. Well, I'm not going to get political with you today. But, uh, I mean, the America we're living in today, it's not the America of five years ago. It's not the America of ten years ago. It's certainly not the America of 50 years ago or 100 years ago. No, the gates of hell. America, the gates of hell can prevail, especially if Christians who live in America don't pray and don't exercise their ability to bind and loose. They just believe in God. You know, they're just, you know, just, well, God's going to, His, whatever. Now, you know, that mentality that you think excuses you from prayer, that's wrong. Amen. But see, no, it's the church, thank God, that's the refuge. It's the church that is the impenetrable forces that protect you, that stand between you and the, the evil that's in the world. 
So you want, and I know that you are the church. I am the church. Amen. But I'm talking about the local church. There's a place for a local gathering. Amen. And a life within a local body that is so vitally important. Do you see it like that? Do you treat it like that? And we have to just say these things over and over again. Go to 2 Timothy, please. Are y'all okay? Amen. Because the enemy wants to distract. He wants to erode the sense of honor and value that we have for the church in its place. Because the spirit of the world is sadly in the church. You know, church is not, it's not to be put on the same level as any other happening in your life. Church theater, they are not the same. Church sports, they are not the same. Church, your children's ballet or piano, they are not the same. What God has ordained for you to have and to experience and to receive in the church cannot be substituted with ballet or karate or the quilt club or whatever you're into. Amen. All of those things are wonderful and fine in their place. Amen. We have to make a thousand different decisions throughout a month, throughout a year to keep the church, right? I mean, what if I had the mentality that many have? You know, my alma mater, the OU Sooners, my, my son Rex and I were big OU football fans. Big, big OU football fans. Well, they have a big bowl game coming up against Florida. You know when they scheduled that? Wednesday night. You know when kickoff is? 7 o'clock. What if I had the mentality of many Christians? Oh, they won't miss me in church anyway. Where's pastor at? Oh, he's at home. Football game tonight. You'd be like, how do we fire this guy? <laughs> Amen. Well, that's because the church holds me to a different standard. But how many people miss church for stuff like that? It's amazing what we trade things of eternal value for. Isn't it? That's because we have a cheapened, diluted, unscriptural notion about the role of the church in our life. If it's easy for you to miss church chronically, there's something wrong with your mentality and maybe your heart. I'm just telling you, amen. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to rescue you because you need the church today. I need the church today. Your family, your children need the church today. Let's close today. Let me show you why. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, now it's amazing that it's been 10 years. 10 years ago, I was reading this in my devotional time, just reading along, cruising along in the book of 2 Timothy. I got to chapter 3, read verse 1, and I got stuck there. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. That verse just stood out to me, and I was stuck on that verse, on this passage of Scripture, for a year and a half. I tried to read other things, but God just kept bringing me back here and talking to me about this. And the, my first book I ever published called Walking in the Light, Overcoming Last Day's Deception, is the fruit of that year and a half of the Spirit of God dealing with me about the days we're living in now. Amen? Let's read this verse. I'll, I'll read it. You follow along. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. This know also 
that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now Paul is peering by the Spirit into the future, and the Spirit of God is telling him about the last days. Now technically, the last days has been going on since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Peter said that day, right? Uh, 120 got filled with the Spirit, including himself. People gathered around and said, What meaneth this? He said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. So the entire church age we've been living in is technically a period of time the Bible calls the last days. But when uh, Paul used the word uh, last days here, it's a different Greek word. This word in the last days, this word last means the end of the end, the ultimate end, there is no more after this. That's the meaning of that Greek word last. The end of the end, the ultimate the end, there is no more after this. In other words, when these days come and sit in, it's letting you know the conclusion of the thing is at hand. Things shall not stay. The age will end. The age of the church. The age of grace. We'll move into, human beings still be here, but we're going to move into a different, totally different prophetic season after this. Amen? And he said that in the last days, what kind of days would come? Perilous. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the phrase shall come. I've been studying uh, after a Greek scholar, Rick Renner. And uh, he pointed out that this phrase shall come means something. It'll be a season of time that prayer cannot alter. Prayer cannot change it. Our interceding will not be able to prevent perilous times from coming. The word shall come means they shall surely come. It's an unalterable, unescapable period of time on planet earth. And they say, well, I hope that's not me. Hope, well, think about it. Some generation's going to have to be this generation. There's going to have to be, right, for the Lord to return, for the rapture to occur, for these scriptures to be fulfilled. Some generation has got to be the generation that experiences an inescapable, unalterable season of time. I believe we're that generation. So tag, you're it. Like it, don't like it. Know it, don't know it. But in the scripture, in the, in the words that follow, you won't need any more convincing, if you need any at all, that we're in this period of time right now. Now you can either be overcome by it, become a victim to it, Amen? Or you can know what you need to know and begin to walk in what you need to walk in so that you can live victoriously and unaffected and untouched by what's here and what's coming. So I'm not, I'm not saying this to scare anybody. I'm saying this to alert everybody. It's why you need the church. The church is the last day refuge. Amen? Okay, so he said the word perilous. Now, the word perilous, if you look that word up in the Greek, and I'm flipping to this in the uh, Scripture, if you look it up, the word means harsh. So this, you can't pray this away. He said, in the very end, the end of the end, there is no more end. There shall come, it's inescapable, unavoidable, unalterable time, harsh days will set in. Then they use the word Savage, savage days will come. 
It means difficult, dangerous, painful, pressure-packed, hard to deal with. Oh, pastor, I was ready to shout a minute ago, but now you got me, you popped my balloon, I'm all deflated. Well, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Now, Rick Renner also points out that the words shall come, it not only means that they are inescapable, but it's the way the tense is, it means when they come, the days will set in. They won't be a season, it'll be good for a while, and then like this for a while, perilous for a while, then peaceful for a while. No, he says when this prophetic season begins, in the end of the end, the culmination of the end, the end there is no more, <laughs> time period. These kind of days will come, and they will set in, and they will stay until the consummation of all things. So see, God is needing a people who are well-equipped. Amen. He's, in, he's tagged us. He's inserted our lives into this time frame. And you may not feel special. You may not feel like you have the right stuff. But I'm telling you what, if you'll live according to God's program, if you'll get serious about your Bible, if you'll begin to live a real, dedicated, separated, focused Christian life, you will find that there's an anointing available to us that no other generation in the body of Christ has had. People in heaven one day after the rapture are going to come up to you and say, tell me, tell me what it was like to live in this time frame. They're going to ask you. There's going to be people, they're going to, people be running, they think we're going to run up to Moses, we're going to run up to King David, and that'll all happen. But there's going to be, we are that generation. Tell me what it was like to be raptured. What was that like? You're going to say, well, it happened pretty fast. I'm still trying to figure it out myself, you know? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So these days are going to come and they're going to set in. Well, how did he describe them? Let's look at what he said. He said, for men, he's going to describe this end time generation. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, I've got this in the Amplified here somewhere. The Amplified says, for people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Who would have thought... 20 years ago, that there would be an entire generation where one of the big hobbies was to take a selfie. I have read articles about people, young people in the prime of their lives who have died hanging off cliffs with one hand in their cell phone trying to get a cool selfie and fall to the bottom and die happens. You've read about them if you've been. I've read about them. I've seen them. We, we have, there is now a society totally and utterly consumed with self. Now having a healthy love of yourself is vitally important. Jesus said love others. How? As you would love yourself. So you need to love yourself. But this is talking about an unbridled, unrestrained, unhealthy, idolatrous Love of all things me. And see, churches that don't have the mind of the Spirit, they, they know what's up. And so they've had to make church all about them to get anybody to come. It's not about Jesus anymore. It's not about the Word anymore. It's about them. 
It's about how many donuts do you need and how much coffee do you need and how much casual dress is okay for you to be able to come. How much entertainment do you need to come and sit in my sanctuary for about 40 minutes or so so that we could play church? It's all about me. I've never seen a mentality in a culture that's more what's in it for me mentality. And selfishness has always been a thing, right? That's just human nature since the fall to be selfish. But see, society used to frown on that. There used to be curbs. But now, from the highest of the high, right? There, you can't tell anyone no. A guy that wants to be a girl, you can't tell them no. A pedophile that wants to have relations with Kids, can't tell that person no. Whatever pleases. Whatever carnal, ungodly, I'm telling you. These days have come. We live in a selfish, utterly self-centered world and culture, just like Paul said. Listen, you need the church to tell you and remind you this uncomfortable fact. Sweetheart, it's not all about you. Church, coming to church is not supposed to be all about you. Coming to church today was nothing about me today. Amen? There's two kinds of people in the world. You need, to, you need to judge yourself. I need to judge myself. What kind of person am I? There are givers and there are takers. Which one are you? The last day generation is a generation of unbridled, unapologetic takers. It's about me. And if, see, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, Benefit me, I'm not doing it. That's what the, that's what the mindset is. People act in their own self-interest. Right. Now I know that there's elements of goodness still out there, and there always will be, thank God, as long as the church is on the planet. But don't let the selfish, self-centered spirit of the age get on you. What else did he say? He said they would be lovers of money. Lovers of money. They are aroused by an inordinate, unhealthy, greedy uh, desire for wealth. Pastor, you were just talking about wealth. No, God said, I'll give you the power to get wealth. But he said, also said, don't forget me. These people are happy. Oh, I can't come to church. Why? i got to make money. What's that mean? What God are you serving? You're serving the God of money. Let's just be honest about it. Money is your God. I know that, you know, some of these facing these are harsh realities, but if you would let someone else look at your checkbook, they would, your checkbook, your bank account, your, your, your money trail will tell you everything you need to know about what you deem as most important. In January, we'll produce contribution statements, <laughs> right? And I don't read any of them but mine. Amen? But when you get your contribution statement, you'll be able to judge last year, 2020, the year that was, how important was church to you. It won't be by what you think. It won't be by your feelings. It'll be backed up by how much did you give. God's commitment to you is defined by what He gave. Which is his son. Amen? Okay. Y'all okay? I'm trying to close. What kind of days are coming? Well, the next thing he said was, people will be proud, arrogant, and contemptuous boasters. Amen. 
And Rick Renner says in the Greek word, this means Paul is seeing a society that will stand up to the highest of the high of all the institutions and boast of what they want, what they think, what they think is right, uh, no matter how off it is from God's pre-accepted standard in His Word. Look from the White House to the Supreme Court of our land, right? Uh, the, the highest of the high of our institutions. What are they telling us? Lesbianism's okay? Nothing wrong with that? Normal? Celebrate it. When it's an abominable, damnable, destructive, ungodly, unholy lifestyle, homosexuality, bestiality, all of this kind of mess going on. And from the highest of the high in our nation, people are boasting. People like, uh, well, one lady. That's about the best I could do. Who said when she was running for president, these Christians must be made to change what they think about homosexuality. See, that is, a, that is proud. That is arrogant. God hears that. You don't think God heard that? God knows what's right. He is what's right. He has expressed what's right. And people want to get up with a microphone and their platform and tell that these Christians and these people that are uh, retro and they're not progressive and they're, they want to hold on to their biblical values, they must be made to change. Listen, that's what German, Germany did with people in their re-education camps. That's what communistic China does to people today. Yeah. Boasters, arrogant, proud, unafraid. They have no fear of God. Listen, this is the world that's come. It's not just a local thing. It's not just a state thing. It's not even an America thing. This thing is set in globally. And it's indicative of what? The last day, the last of the last of the last days. There are no more days. That time frame is upon us. He goes on and says, They will be abusive, blasphemous scoffers. How about this one? Disobedient to parents. Now, children have always had obedience problems, but here again what Rick Renner says that he's gleaned from the original Greek language is, is that there's coming uh, a society in the last days where the laws and authorities will put the power in the children and take it away from the parents. They will nullify the ability of parents to discipline and train their children. Come on, that's already happened. Rick Renner tells you in this book I'm reading, it's a, I picked it up this last week, it's called The Last Day Survival Guide from Rick Renner, and he's breaking down these Greek words. He said, I personally know of a Christian couple who the state came and took their daughter out of the home. They had zero access to their daughter for two years. The school teacher suspected abuse in the home. What was the indicator? The child was too respectful to authority. The child was so honorable and so respectful toward authority in her sick mind, she believed the parents were abusing and the only reason she would act that way would be intimidation and fear. And the state took the daughter and gave the parents zero access 
I'm glad that didn't happen to me. I don't know if I'd be able to contain my anger. Now children are able to sue their parents. Parents in our society today are afraid to discipline their children lest their children tell somebody and they be, you know, arrested for child abuse. Paul talked about it. He said there's a day coming where children will be invested with it, that the state will sanction childhood rebellion and remove the ability of the parent to train their child the way they want. Listen, you want to take your kids into certain schools? You don't have a choice. They're going to educate them on all that perversion. You're going to teach them all that. They're going to desensitize them. And they're going to, they're going to tell your little Johnny how antiquated and intolerant and mean your mom and dad is because they believe that Bible stuff. I'm telling you, parents need to be very prayerful about how they want to educate their kids. I'm not saying we should abandon public school altogether. We have people fighting the good fight. Principal over here, we've got teachers, you know, we've got fighting the good fight. I'm, you know what I mean? Don't, don't hear me wrong. But I'm saying, just depending on where you are in the school system and the leadership, I mean the propaganda and the sickness. I asked Elizabeth and Sarah, when, we were, when Faith was about to turn a high school student, a freshman, I thought, well, if we're going to put her back in public school and give her a high school experience, her freshman year would be the natural place to start. So we were leaning maybe towards putting her in school so she could have, you know, a prom and, and do all that, you know, and have all that jazz, okay? Amen. And so I sat them down, some girls in our youth, and I said, tell me about high school. Elizabeth and Sarah both instantly, they, didn't have, they instantly started crying. They said, oh, Pastor Chris, I don't know what you're thinking, but don't send her. It's X-rated. Didn't you tell me that? It's X-rated all day, every day. Don't do it. I said, well, you fixed it for me. I don't have to pray about that anymore. I don't know what I was thinking. Thank you for... Amen. Now, if God leads you, or if you have no other way or option or seeming choice about you, you parents, you use your faith. And you teach those kids at home. And you train them. When they come home, you say, okay, what do we got to flush today? And there'll be a grace, and the blood of Jesus will protect them. And the angels will go with them. Amen? But I'm just telling you, we are living in dangerous, weird, perilous times. And you need the church. You need to hear what I... It may be uncomfortable for you, but you need to hear what's uncomfortable. Amen. Then he goes on and says, this generation will be ungrateful, unholy, and profane. I know we got to close. This word ungrateful, though, he said it means entitled in the Greek. He said there's going to come a worldwide society that, that feels entitled. And they will be angry and bitter if they don't get what they feel like they're entitled to. Come on, are we not there? Kids haven't graduated high school yet. And if they don't have a brand new car, and if they don't get, you know, a big old house with all brand new furniture, what their parents worked and, you know, and believed and sacrificed 30 years to build. They want it before they, their diploma ink is dry. People out there pounding the streets of America, the people who tamed the Wild West, built the railroads, come on, built you know, interstates that go from coast to coast, skyscrapers, people who built the country, right? Amen. And now there's a generation out there pounding their fist. I know I took out a loan, you forgive it. 
And health care is a right. I want my health care and I don't want to pay for it. Make some rich person pay for it. And you may be thinking, what's wrong with that mentality? The spirit of the age is on you. You need to shake yourself. You need to not get mad at pastor. I'm trying to help you today. You took out a loan, don't want to pay it back. What about all the people that paid off their student loan? What about those people? You wanted that money, you took that money, you signed your name on a piece of paper, you told that institution you will pay them back. I want free health care. I want free housing. I want a free cell phone. I shouldn't have to pay for this stuff. I shouldn't have to. The Bible said, you know what God said? The God said, a man that does not provide for his own house has denied the Christian faith and he is worse than an infidel. And the book, the good book says, if you don't work, you ought to starve. Well, how come you're struggling? How come you're having to come to pastor to ask for your rent? Well, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I don't want to work more than 20 hours. 20 hours? Oh, my God. 20 hours. People are so spoiled. Listen, when the society of entitlement sets in like it has, it has put the nation on a cataclysmic course with oppression, dictatorships, communism, and poverty all around. And if America doesn't wake up, now, the, see, the good news is, you and I are redeemed. <laughs> the good news is, this does not have to be us. The good news is, we can live in Goshen. The good news is, we can live different in these last days. But you've got to know something. You have to be trained biblically. And the church is a necessary part of what you need to not get caught up in what's already here in the world. Come on. It says they will be without natural human affection. Talking about perversion. Boy, it's here. People will be inhuman. They will be relentless. There will be no truce or appeasement. You can see it in the nation. I don't know what you see, but I just don't know. Apart from a revival, I don't see how we avoid some sort of conflict. I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, a fire starter or anything like that. I'm just saying, how did the two sides get along? Take, take the election stuff that's going on. Let's say Biden goes in and takes it. Well, you've got half the country that are fit to be tied like me. Because they see the cheat and the fraud and the steal. That's just my opinion. Millions of people like me share that. Okay, well, let's just say it gets flipped and gets turned. Well, I'm going to rejoice, but what's going to happen to the other side of the country? And more and more and more, just with our fellow Americans... Some, some people, I don't have anything in common with you. You don't even like the flag. I would die for the flag. You, you want to burn the flag. I, we don't have nothing in common. Right. And there ain't no compromise. Because I'm not going to let you burn half my flag. I mean, it's, no. It's going to take something. It's going to take some sort of move of God. See, but there's, how are we going to prepare for that? Well, not by digging a hole and getting scared. But by following the voice of the Holy Ghost. Being led by the Spirit and learning how to appropriate by faith the precious promises of God that belong to you. And you need the church to help you figure that out. I do. We all do. Amen. Goes on and says people will be slanderers. 
I mean, I just don't have time. We, maybe we should just come back and go through these words one by one. But, but now, if you... I heard of a professor, he said something halfway positive about the current president, and the university fired him that day. Fired him that day. In other words, you, you lose your job if you don't drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, it's just wild. I just don't know how anyone denies we are in these days Paul spoke of. There will be no truce. There will be no appeasement. They are slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, people with loose morals and conduct. One of the pervasive attitudes about the last days, Paul said in the future, you, you, you decide for yourself, is that they will have no fixed moral standard. There is no hard and fast right and wrong anymore. Welcome to life on planet Earth. Amen. We embrace lawlessness. Even at the highest of the high, we can't get the highest of the high to enforce basic laws. We're going back to the wild, wild west. Anyway, people will be treacherous, betrayers. They will be rash, inflated with self-conceit. Lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements, more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, right, of religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their... See, this church is built on this. We play church, we call ourselves church, we call ourselves Christian, but we deny the power that would change our life. I'm, coming to, I'm willing to come to church and be entertained, but do not ask me to change. <laughs> wow. The Bible says, avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Turn away from them. The 13th verse Said, it says, evil men and imposters, imposters will grow worse and worse in this prophetic time frame. Deceiving and being deceived. What do you see? I see evil men more and more. I see imposters more and more. Amen? What am I saying? The last of the last of the last, there are no more days. This is the, the culmination of all things. I believe we're that generation. I don't know how you deny it. It'd be one thing if it was just a Paducah problem. This looks like Paducah. Or a state problem. But it's not. Wherever I get testimonies, this is the mentality that is set in. And Satan has laid the groundwork ever so patiently for a world that will, is ready to celebrate the lawless one. The Antichrist. He will be celebrated. The world is made ready for someone who will champion these people's values. And I just wonder in closing, how much of our mentality has been inordinately, accidentally shaped and influenced by the spirit of the age. How far, if at all, have we drifted from the plain text of the word? In these last days before Jesus comes to get us, we need each other.
You need me, and I need you. To encourage one another not to bow to the pressure and the, and the intense influences in the world. Amen? And we need, we need each other to learn and grow and experience God so that we don't cower in fear. None of what I just outlined ought to make you afraid, although I know how it could. I've had to catch myself in mentalities, man, I'm ready to build me a bunker, a concrete bunker. I'm ready to get me, you know, arms and munitions, and I'm just getting ready to throw it out, you know. But what's that going to do? You know, we've got to have faith in God and trust in God and be led of the Spirit. Amen? And the church is going to be such a place of peace and refuge and joy, and it's going to get brighter and brighter and more glorious in the church. And you're such a necessary part of that. Amen? Boy, you really did a lot of listening today, and I thank you for that. Praise God. Father, we love you today.